following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed on Agree to Disagree are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, everybody? Mike Jones, John Brown, we are back with you here again another week on, let's say this properly, the debut episode of Agree to Disagree. Is this the debut? Is is this what we're doing? We're, we're going to start calling it a Agree to Disagree now. We're doing, this is the thing now, we're doing this. We're now, doing right? this. We're doing, oh boy, I'm I, excited. I can't tell you the show's called One on One with MJ anymore. Oh, oh boy. We're All an right. official team. Oh my, this is like Christmas has come early. I know we're a week after Thanksgiving, but now, you know, this is, wow, I'm, 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 I, I am taken aback by this. <laughs> What's good though, man? Oh man, it's a good week. It's cold here in the Northeast. Very cold, very cold. But that's what's expected this time of year. Now, you know, we, we always have a limited amount of time. So let's go ahead and get straight to it. A lot of sports in 56 minutes. A lot of sports in 56 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and get straight to it. Let's go. We're going to start the show with a little NBA talk. Now, we're talking Boston Celtics. Okay. Everyone's early season pick to be the top team in the East. One of they were a fashionable preseason Eastern Conference Finals representative selection, and at this point in the year, they are, I believe, eleven and ten is the record. One game above five hundred. Not very good at all. And eleven and ten, six and a half games mm-hmm. out of first place. Exactly. Six and a half games, a half game ahead of the – they're a half game ahead of the Charlotte Hornets. One and, whole game in front of the Orlando Magic. And this was supposed to be the best team in the East. Yes. When we started the season, when you and I first started talking basketball at the start of the season, we talked about where teams like the Sixers and the Bucks, even on that same tier – Mm-hmm. As Toronto, as Toronto and, and Boston. Boston. Now Toronto has played well so far this season. They, they've they they're looked at, the part. They're yeah, eighteen and yes, four, first yeah. place in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they have definitely looked. Actually, the part they so have far. the best record in the league to, today. Yes, yes. Boston, however, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. Boston's Boston, struggling. Boston is in currently holding down the sixth seed in the East. If they were in the West, they would be in the eighth seed. But in either conference, it's a very, although it's early in the year, it's very early in the year. Yes, Anything yes. can happen. Yes. Season's only, what, a third over, a, 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 a quarter, quarter of the, the way, way into the season. A quarter of the way into the season. So, But through the first quarter, they have a very tenuous hold on the sixth seed of the East. Mm-hmm. That's not saying much. Not saying much at all. Now, the Boston supporters and apologists would point out the fact that Boston was on a similar pace this time last year. Okay. So, let me ask you two-part question. Part 1 is 
is there something wrong in Boston? And part two, if there is, what is it? Is there something wrong in Boston? Yes. I think, honestly, when you look at what Boston did, mm-hmm. when they made that run to the Eastern Conference Finals, look at that lineup. Look at that lineup and look at who was in that lineup. More but, importantly, But I thought we were adding talent to that lineup this year. Okay. Well, first of all, let's let's, let's keep it re- here, here. Here we are agreeing to disagree because you know <laughs> darn well they weren't adding ta- talent to that lineup. You know, maybe they were at, in theory they were adding uh, talent to that lineup, but you. But the fact still remains: this is a this is a team that had a ta- that had, and I'm throwing up air quotes for the people right now, a talented backcourt. That got hurt. Okay. But went to the Eastern Conference Finals with another talented backcourt that was a little more fundamentally sound, would you say? A little more team-oriented, especially at the point guard position. Team-oriented, but not as a... Not as flashy. uh, Not as flashy, not as ballyhoo, probably not even as expensive. Definitely not as expensive. So when I mean this is a team that traded that they were a talented team. They've they've been a talented team for a while. Mm-hmm. They've been a top tier team in the East for a while. Mm-hmm. They made a move that they believed put them over the top when they traded their starting point guard for another starting point guard. They then went out and spent big money to bring in a swingman. Along the lines, that point guard and that swing man both got hurt. And two role players played like stars in getting them back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Now said point guard that you traded a franchise player for and that swing man that you, that you paid franchise player money to are back. They're back. And things are not as good. Things aren't going as well. Okay. So you being the cornerstone of this show, I'm, you know, that now, I now look to you to help explain why. Why is this happening? See, I wanted to throw that one to you first. Because I don't, I didn't want to in this segment come off as though I was just, Looking for an excuse to bash Kyrie. What's wrong with that? I mean, look. Oh, I, I didn't say I wasn't going to bash no, Kyrie. No, I understand, but but to me, it's it's. Uh, I guess, and maybe once again, you know, fitting for the new title of this show, you know, ag- agree to disagree. I'm like, look, man, if you got to bash the dude, bash him. It's, it's oh, I will. Good. Like, it's not like Kyrie is any. He ain't no kidding to me. And, I, and, and you know, I will. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you got Kyrie it, hate, let it out. It, so, you know. I don't want th- – it's not actually hate. I don't want it to come off as bias. I Why? felt – this is something I felt since actually the first time I really watched him play back when he was in college at Duke. Mm-hmm. The kid's point – it just doesn't have point guard instincts. No, no. He's – I'll go back to a point I made when the first year LeBron went back to Cleveland to play with him. Okay. That team didn't start winning until they took Kyrie off, off the, the ball. ball. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie – 
is really, really great at getting buckets for Kyrie. Mm. He's not good at setting the tempo for a team. Mm. He's not the best at making sure his teammates not only get touches, but get timely touches. That touches that keep them in a rhythm. There's there's a there's a flow to the game. I can't just come down court and say your turn, my turn, his turn. Doesn't quite work like that. That is what OKC tried to do last year with Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony. Come down your turn, my turn, his turn. You'd see the end of the game. They all have 12 to 13, 14 shots, but none of them really played well because none of them got in a good rhythm. You know, a guy might need two, three shots in a row to get rolling. Another guy might be able to go two, three shots, getting his energy going, playing defense and rebounding, and then I'll come to him for a touch when he feels good. One guy might need to get going, going to the rim. Another guy might be looking for that on-time pass for the catch-and-shoot jump shot. It's There are a lot of small dynamics to it that make playing point guard a different animal than any other position in basketball. It's a very, very mental position, similar to a quarterback in the NFL. You you have to hit the open man, but you also have to know when you have to feed a man for the sake of keeping his confidence up, keeping the rhythm going. You've got a bad matchup. It's, it's not just let me get my numbers. You've got to figure out the way to make the team work best. And – that is the part of the game that I don't see from Kyrie. Now, a lot of people share that sentiment. I think when I think about it, I think of a good friend of mine, a uh, good friend from uh, NBC Sports in Philadelphia, Brian Brennan. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot, a lot of times, jokingly, I dismiss his Kyrie criticism as hate, primarily, but more because Brian is Brian graduated from UNC. Okay. So, so Duke. you know, so you know, <laughs> so I'm just like you're just hating on the Duke guy. That's all it is. But in actuality, you know, Brian makes a lot more sense. And what it, and his criticism of Kyrie from probably the day he came into the league falls along the line of what you are saying right now. In that Kyrie is Kyrie gets buckets. He absolutely gets buckets. Kyrie doesn't always facilitate. No, not at all. And I feel like there was a time when a player like Kyrie was probably was was best for LeBron. Mm-hmm. But that went that was a very small window. And probably that window opened when they won the championship and closed that very next season. Now, the one thing I will say, mm-hmm. since you mentioned LeBron, is that I believe a guy like LeBron is the perfect person for Kyrie to play with. Mm-hmm. Because Kyrie essentially is, for whatever he wants to call himself or mm-hmm. thinks he's a point guard, his game is best suited offensively to play the two-guard position. Well, However, I, he doesn't necessarily have the physical tools to defend the two-guard position. I think what what makes Kyrie... What makes his game fit with LeBron was I thought he was somebody who, when you needed him in a push 
in, in, in a pinch, I should say, could run your offense, bring the ball down down court and run your offense, but he's not somebody you would want to depend on to run your offense for an entire game. You know, you need Kyrie. You need it. LeBron needed Kyrie to score and sometimes, on occasion, bring the ball down down court. But what helped them was good point guard play when you move Kyrie off the ball. Kyrie doesn't need to be on the ball for the entire game. If you have Kyrie on the entire game, that weakens that weakens LeBron. Okay. So, but 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 nonetheless, Kyrie and LeBron aren't playing together anymore, and we'll talk about LeBron's problems later. Now, you know, Kyrie and his I don't want to be Robin anymore. You know, I want to, you know, I want to be the star. Now you have a team. Now you're on a team that needs a point guard to facilitate for them. And now they and now you have a ball dominant point guard who plays suspect defense. Who doesn't look for other who doesn't necessarily look for other players and now you're struggling because now it's like you're you're a year later you have a healthy Kyrie and now Kyrie's out Kyrie's going Kyrie and that's part of why the uh the Celtics are having their problems look Kyrie you know he's an exciting player he's a flashy player I get it mm-hmm. he'll get you buckets but you don't need you know but as long as you're it's a it's a square peg in a round hole. You bang it enough times, maybe it'll get through. But you've exerted so much energy, what have you really done? Except for breaking the peg in the hole. Okay, so I'm thinking, I'm picturing Kyrie's game, I'm picturing the Celtics, the way they play on the court. And I have the question. Okay. What's up? And I don't know that you could necessarily answer this question, mm-hmm. but if what we're saying is true, what do you do, then do with Kyrie? What's the fix? I think, I, honestly, I think it depends on how much faith you have in those role players. And can those role players be depended on to be stars every day. Well, you saw it last year. I mean, yeah, you saw it last year. Mm-hmm. You are now, it's like you, If do you have the faith in Terry Rozier to be that guy every day? That's well, the question. All right, now me, see, here's the thing. Okay. Now, now, I'm hearing that question, and as I hear the question, it makes what comes to mind is well first what reason has Terry Rozier given you to doubt that he could handle that position from the time he was inserted <coughs> excuse me he from the time he was inserted into the starting lineup last year the Boston team actually started playing better their offensive efficiency and points per game went up that prior to Kyrie's injury last season Boston, the the rap on them was that they struggled to score against good teams. That was not the case once Kyrie Irving went out of the lineup. Terry Rozier had 
multiple big games down the stretch and th- and even through the playoffs. He had games where his scoring was up, games where his assists were up, games where both were up, and most importantly, if you the, the eyeball test would tell you that none of it was forced. He was just playing good ball. There were still enough touches for Tatum, Brown, Al Horford, and everyone else in the roster to contribute as well. Whereas with Mr. Irving, everyone everyone else's touches seem to be minimized if and often they're not ideal touches by which I mean touches in places where players like to get the ball. Every player has their favorite spots on the floor, favorite sp- places to catch, a time, a rhythm they want the ball to be there in. And if you have a point guard who's looking to get his own first, those things don't happen. Now, as far as the question of what I would do with Kyrie, that actually raises an interesting point because I read an article. I don't want to misquote it, so I won't cite the source. But the article, the report, was actually talking about something that I've been saying I would do with Kyrie since last season. I'm calling the New Orleans Pelicans and offering them to Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis. The report I saw recently said was to the effect that any trade of Anthony Davis to Boston would have to include Kyrie Irving. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Because if you tell me I have to have Terry Rozier switch from Kyrie Irving to Terry Rozier to run the point, but that allows me to bring in Anthony Davis, that's a no-brainer. Mike, you and I work on two different shows. We work on this show, Mm -hmm. and we work on the Best in the World Sports Report, which is based out of Philly, where we cover Philly sports. You have always asked me when I come on this show with you to be objective. If if possible. To be analytical and to be honest. Absolutely be honest. Be honest and and now I want to be. Honest is first. Honest is first. What you just said, honestly, makes a whole lot of sense. But you don't want to see it happen. As a Sixers (laughs) fan, that scares the heck out of me. What you said makes perfect sense. To me, how. That makes perfect sense to me. Maybe not as much from the New Orleans po- uh, point of view, but I think like trading, trading Kyrie to New Orleans to me. Well, I, I guess you could probably say well, New Orleans is probably a, a you know they. Well, for they, me, they, they they probably you could. I mean, they, yeah, they're they're giving. Well, for you me, know, to I, your I point about New Orleans' point of view real quick, and I'll let you jump back in, is simply that I think New Orleans is in a situation where they realize they might be stuck in no man's land. 
Anthony Davis will keep you in the playoff race with Drew Holiday and those guys on the roster, mm -hmm. but you're not really a threat to win. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You're sure Anthony Davis is box office and will keep at least sell tickets. But Kyrie Irving will do that as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I guess it's, it's putting – it's putting a a quality project together while you rebuild. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it, and I guess you know to me, like it would say to Kyrie, like, what do you now represent at this point in your career? Where the now guy can used to sell tickets while I rebuild. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to be rebuild guy? You know, and and and. Maybe he's fine with that. Like I remember, you remember Larry Hughes. Mm -hmm. I remember one thing. I I can't remember the exact quote, but basically he had talked about the the quote had basically suggested that Larry Hughes was a player that was cool. He didn't care if he won or lose. Yeah, he just played for fun. Yeah. He well, not even just playing for fun. Like, like the game wasn't about winning or losing. Yeah, it was he, about having fun. Yeah. Ha well, not even having fun, but just getting his numbers. Mm -hmm. Like, he was real cool being the best player on bad teams. And to me, it's like going to this if, – if if this trade is cool for Kyrie, that's who he's now becoming. Kyrie is now new millennium Larry Hughes. Well, I don't know if it matters if the trade is cool for Kyrie. Well, as far I, mean, as, far as well, I know, he doesn't yeah. have a no-trade clause. Yeah. Well, I mean, great, he doesn't have a choice. I, I, I understand that, but I, I guess – at at some point, it's like if that reality is facing you, okay, you know, you'll go to New Orleans, you'll put butts in seats, you'll go to the All Star game every year, mm -hmm. whatever, and then your team might you'll score twenty five yeah, plus every year. Yeah, you'll get on Sports Center, you'll be on the highlights, mm -hmm. everyone will think you're great. And I think it might it might work for Kyrie in the sense that if you if he goes to New Orleans, Drew Holiday will be the point guard, and you'll put Kyrie off the ball. I don't think that'll be work for them enough to make them a good team. Well, truth be told, though, based on what I saw from New Orleans last year during their playoff run, I'd have to believe they'd be more comfortable with Drew Holiday playing the two. Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, either way they go, there's going to be a middle of the run team, not middle. even a middle of the road team. You know, middle of the road to back of the road. Actually, I think if you get rid of Anthony Davis and bring in Kyrie, you're a lottery team. You're in a you're in you rebuild know, mode. You're a lottery. I think you're 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 at the tail end of the lottery. You're in the what? You're in the West. Mm -hmm. You're a lottery team. Okay. And once you're in the lottery, you got a shot at it. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm looking at the clock. We need to take our first break. Oh man! I, oh, I, don't I, worry. I, we'll we'll I be get, back. We're gonna get right I, that, back that's to. That's what it. happens. I get into this show and I start looking at you and we start getting into it. We start talking and then it's like, oh man. There we go. Uh, take a break. We got more, though. Don't worry. Right after this, we'll be right back. More and more agree to disagree with Mike Jones and John Brown. Yep. Listen live online. Freeagentradio.com They'll challenge your authority because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. 
The opinions and views expressed on Agree to Disagree are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, everybody, we're back. If you were with us for the first segment, you heard us talking basketball, where specifically what was going on with the preseason favorites in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics and their mediocre at best record yes. through this point in the season. Yes, we discussed a couple of what the potential issues were and one possible fix, we, we, which we, we, on we, paper makes sense, but I don't think John's real. a fan let, of. Let, let's, let's keep it real here. All right, you, we did not talk about possible uh, scenarios <laughs> as to why Boston is struggling. We took a look at one guy, and at the, although we agreed on a multitude of points in that discussion. <laughs> we agree that the number one culprit was one guy, all right, and that was Mister. That was Mister. Kyrie Irving. That's that's what we that's what we agreed on. That's what we said. That's what we talked about. We said, hey, the one guy. It was his fault. It, it's him. It is Mister. Kyrie Irving. I don't know what his middle name is. I was going <laughs> to bring out his whole government, but it's Kyrie Irving. All right, he's the guy. It's his fault. They're eleven and ten. All Kyrie's fault. All all Kyrie all the time. They're eleven and ten. They're barely better than the Hornets, and it's all Kyrie's fault. This is a team that has not look. They've lost to Orlando. They've lost to Indiana. They've lost to Denver. They lost to Portland and Chicago and Charlotte. The Knicks. Whole bunch. Uh, they've lost to a multitude of teams who are all looking at the playoffs. All right. You're so, right. it's and it's all Kyrie's fault. That's not. <laughs> that's not. I know that's not of the objective analysis that you brought me on this show for. <laughs> but you told. You also told me to start with honesty and honesty. Honestly, I hate the Celtics. As a fan, I hate the Celtics. Kyrie is a Duke guy who plays for the Celtics, so he's just you know. There's just no redeeming quality about him. Kyrie. And it's all his fault. Let's see. Now I sound like I'm bashing Kyrie again. It's cool. See, here's the thing. If you're looking for someone to kind of talk you off that Kyrie bashing ledge, I am not that dude. All right? You know, if if that's what you were looking for, if that's, you know, the direction you were going, like, look, man, I don't need somebody to help me doing that. I'm not that guy. Kyrie, I'll say it like this. Kyrie is one of the three or four best bad basketball players I've ever seen. Oh, man. I, I, you know, like, real quick, because I know you, I, I know we got to pivot. Uh, you said one of the three, four best bad. Can, can you give me two seconds? Let me let me try and guess who the other ones were. Um, did, uh, and in fact, did two of them play for the Oklahoma City Thunder last year? Yes. Did one of them play alongside one of those guys from the Oklahoma City Thunder? At one point At in his one career, point, yeah. Career? Yes. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> All right, that's cool. All right, moving on, moving on. All right, moving on. Let's, let's, since we're talking about basketball teams and their struggles today, yes. we're go- let's go to the other side of the country for a second. Okay. Talk about Kyrie's old teammate. You mentioned his name earlier in the first segment. The, the king, as it were, LeBron James, yes. Is 
also the member of a team that has not necessarily looked great this year. But that being said, they are seven and three in their last ten. And although, although they've lost two straight, that, but even having lost t- two straight, they're still seven and three in their last ten. Yes, which means they were seven and one in their eight before that. That's a good stretch. Yes. Now, it's it's funny to me, a couple things that happened that kind of correlate with the conversation we just had, mm-hmm. how we were talking about. Kyrie needing to be moved off the ball for a team to succeed. The Lakers succeeded. Success tend to happen the same way it happened in Cleveland with Kyrie and LeBron and in Miami when LeBron got there. The team starts to win more when you put LeBron James on the ball as opposed to playing off the ball Mm -hmm. and playing the point. Now, the Lakers having Rajon Rondo and Lonzo Ball, both pure point guard players, and LeBron being at the point in his career where at least what he said was that he wanted to play off the ball, it seemed, well, I shouldn't say it seemed, because I never thought this team was well-constructed. I didn't think the the styles of play would fit well together. But it did seem like, a good opportunity for LeBron if he were truly going to play off the ball, where you have a couple good ball handlers who are looking to pass first. But their lack of success playing that way, coupled with the seeming turnaround when you put LeBron on the ball, speaks to, at least to me, you know, again, I'm going to throw it to you first. Okay. Because I, I, I know where I'm going. We're going to get sidetracked. Okay. But so let me ask you again. What do you think it is? Do you think it's more a matter of LeBron just being the best point guard on the team or other guys not knowing how to facilitate for LeBron? What do you think it was that was going on that requires the Lakers and LeBron's teams in general to need him to play on the ball for it to work? Well, first of all, LeBron is a special, I think LeBron is a special kind of player. Mm -hmm. I think without going into, without getting sidetracked or falling into the tangent of the who's the greatest player or whatever, not because I'm not. That's not where I'm going with this. Okay. But what I'm saying is, LeBron is. There hasn't been a lot of players like LeBron, in the history of basketball. They just, just his skill set, what he does, how he does it. I think when you add a player like LeBron on the team, I think there's a growth period. You got, I think. There is a difference between talking about adjusting to LeBron and actually adjusting to LeBron. I think the first time around in Cleveland, it was one thing because LeBron was a young guy. Mm -hmm. You know, they tried to put more veterans around him. And as he grew into the LeBron that we all know now, 
it was different. But once he got to Miami, that was the first time when it was like, okay, you really need to learn how to do this. You need to learn. You you saw a team struggling to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And everything wasn't, you know, you t- with players like LeBron, you tend to think and tend to believe that he's instant coffee. Add LeBron and start. And all you need is a good hot cup of water and you add LeBron and start. Now maybe your hardcore basketball fans or you know your 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 true basketball and that analysts might see it differently. But for the casual fan, for you know, people who don't watch LeBron play, who never watch who don't watch Cleveland on a day in and day out, you see LeBron, you see one of the greatest players of of this generation, maybe the best the best player of all time. We're not going down that road today. But you see that and you think, okay, all I need to do is put him with some half decent guys and they'll be good, you know. They'll just Okay. Skyrocket. <coughs> but the but the fact of the matter is, you know what, you there you do need to learn how to play with him. Okay. And now, that's why now I, I want to jump in if okay. you don't mind. Okay. Because what all right. Here we go. So LeBron James. He just banged his hand on the table. So you know you know something's about to come. You know it's coming. LeBron James is a great basketball player. But I'm going to be as plain and clear about this as I can be. Because I don't want anyone to misconstrue or misinterpret what I'm about to say. As great as LeBron James is, most of his greatness is based on physical ability. He has a very high IQ, but he has holes in his game. Specifically, one glaring hole is his lack of consistency to be an actual catch-and-shoot player, which that one flaw in his game for a perimeter player, as great as he is, changes everything about the way you have to play with him. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain why as quickly as I can. The, the fact that he doesn't catch and shoot means he's not as dangerous when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. That means defenders aren't spaced out to guard him when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, which means I can. there's more attention guarding your teammates because we don't have to worry about you. You're not a catch-and-shoot guy. I'm going to have somebody kind of in the area to stop you from slashing, keep a body on you for the backdoor alley-oops, but we're not spaced all the way out unless it's a night when you're hot. But you got to prove me that prove that to me with a couple shots. So, what that means is that guys like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, or James Harden, guys who have that real pure jump shot, they are able to create spacing on the court for themselves and for the for others because the defense stretches all the way out to wherever they are automatic space. LeBron has to work the other way. He needs teammates to create space for him because he's not the guy who's going to create space for the team. And because he needs guys to create space for him, 
what that does is turn pretty much every other player on the court with him into a spot-up jump shooter. If you look at every big, like Chris Bosh or Kevin Love, both 25 and 10 type guys before they played with LeBron. When they play with LeBron, they're jump shooters. It's not because they forgot how to play. It's because you have to keep spacing and driving lanes open for LeBron. And, it, and because we're building everything around LeBron, we're just going to take away from everyone else's game. And we're, we're not maximizing the talent of the entire unit. Now, with this situation in L.A., you're seeing similar things. But what you're really also going to see end up happening is the way this team is built getting exposed. And this is one of the reasons why I said I didn't think this team was built right from the start of the year. Because LeBron, LeBron, I've been saying for a little while, isn't his strength isn't playing off the ball. So you need shooters around him. Brandon, Ing Brandon Ingram is a decent shooter, but he's not pure, and he's used to having the ball in his hands. Rondo and Lonzo Ball, neither one of them are true shooters, and they're both also used to having the ball in their hands. Now you're trying to take all these guys who are used to having the ball in their hands and not pure shooters and turn them into spot-up guys off the ball, playing off one guy who needs them to create space for him to maximize any of the, their abilities. And that's just not going to – I mean, if I'm drawing it up in the on the chalkboard, that's not the way I'm going to draw it up. So as great as LeBron is, as talented as LeBron is, these are things, and this is why you saw me smile when you said something earlier. Yeah. These are the things in his game, skill-wise, that keep him from being as good as Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, and I, I know you didn't want to go down that yeah, rabbit yeah. hole, no, but I told I, you from I'm the not, start I, I, was go I knew where I was going and we would get sidetracked if I said it, so I, I didn't I, say it early. I, I, I am not going to take that bait. <laughs> on, on, normally I would. Today will not be that day. However, what you said, I, even despite the fact that this, the name of this show is Agree to Disagree, I do not disagree with what you said. However, what I think is, it, it, I think it goes, that what you said goes along with what I said in the fact that, you know, with the flaws in LeBron's, in LeBron's game, mm -hmm. in the past, in order to win with LeBron, the coaches who were able to work around that and teams that had pl better players to to make up for those deficiencies. You talked about Kevin Love and Chris Bosh becoming spot spot up shooters mm -hmm. instead of you know twenty five and ten guys. Yeah. Now you know part of what made it work with those guys. Where they were good enough to make that work, to make that change work. They they had very high skill they levels. Had, they both had of them. They had they were high skilled players who, although who were who were able to sacrifice their bread and butter in order to win. In order to win, but w they made the sacrifice work. They made the sacrifice. They work. made the sacrifice work. There is no Kevin Love. You know, you can say whatever you want, and people will argue until the cows come home about the type of player that Kevin Love is. But there is no player as good as Kevin Love currently on the Los Angeles Lakers. Am I right? Is that true or false? 
Currently, it's true. Currently, it's true. I know. I'm talking about this team right now. This 11 yeah. and 9 team. Couple young talents that could one day develop, but but cur- right now, but currently, no. I'd cur- agree with currently you. Currently, right now, I'm looking at Tyson Chandler. I'm looking at Javale McGee. Mm-hmm. The, neither of them are Kevin right. Love or Chris. Brandon Bryce. Ingram's a nice young talent, but nice he's nowhere talent, near but there he's yet. Not that dude yet. He's nowhere near there yet. There is nobody on that team as good as presently as good as Kevin Love. No big man. This is the team LeBron decided to go to. Okay. He chose and, and, this yes, team. Yes, and I'll get to that point in a second. I'll get to that point in a second. But let me address what you okay. said right there. You agree that there's nobody as good as Kevin Love. And at this point, despite everything that we just said in the last in the last segment about Kyrie Irving, there's nobody currently on the Lakers as good as Kyrie Irving. Especially not when you have LeBron playing the one and Kyrie playing the two. Kyrie's okay. a high-level two guard. He yeah. can get you bucket. But bottom line, nobody as good as Kyrie. Nobody as good as Kyrie or – even close to what Dwayne Wade was when he was with the, when in the, uh, in the no one close to Dwayne Wade when they were winning championships. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But to pivot forward to what you just said, this is the team that LeBron chose to go to. And to me, when LeBron chose the Lakers, to me, this was me saying, despite whatever argument anybody can have over who is the greatest player of all time. To me, this move to the Lakers signified LeBron James saying, you know what, I don't care about that to, that debate. That debate does Do you not. believe that? Yes. Do you really believe he does? Yes. Not, I'm, not believe, I'm not asking do you believe that's what he was saying. I'm asking do you believe he really doesn't care. Yes. Yes. This is me. To me, this move is him saying, My legacy is written and nothing I do can change that. I, I am not saying he's right. I'm not here to, I am not here in this segment to debate whether that is right or wrong, whether he's right to think that or not. No, that's but, not what we're doing. Yeah. I'm saying that I believe that this move is LeBron James saying, You know what? My legacy is written. My my place in basketball hidden my my place in basketball history is etched in stone, and there is nothing that any critic or any an analyst or any anybody, no matter who says it, can change that. The debate of where LeBron James lies in the history. And amongst the greats is a discussion for John Brown and Mike Jones. For the John Browns and Mike Joneses of the world, mm-hmm. not the LeBron James. This is LeBron. To me, I felt like if LeBron was look, was if this this move to L.A. signified that LeBron James is now officially out of the ring chasing business. But okay, now out of the ring chasing business, yeah. poss- that may be true, but. This is where we'll disagree. And we'll disagree from the standpoint that everything I've seen and heard from LeBron throughout the course of his career brings me to believe that he cares very much about how he's perceived. Now, so so it's hard for me to say that he now all of a sudden is a new guy who just doesn't care anymore. I will. I will say this. If if I may, if I may jump in to to address mm-hmm. that, I there was a time when I wholeheartedly agreed with you, and I will say that I, when LeBron came into the league, I was a LeBron hater. I I was very critical of him, and it's funny because I'm on Facebook. A lot of people on Facebook, and every day Facebook brings up 
they have Facebook memories, mm-hmm. and they show you everything you posted on that, that day, day for, for, for years yeah. and years. And it's fun. Like every, I, I see it every March and every April, every May. <laughs> everything I've ever said over the last ten years that is critical of LeBron, and I see the pivot mm-hmm. in where I changed. And honestly, for me. I think the pivot, in my opinion, of LeBron James came as he went to Miami because of what you just said. It's a, it, to me, his move to Miami, and especially after that first year where they fell short to Dallas, said, you know what? This guy is about his legacy. He is, he is very much about his legacy, and he is about not having his legacy be defined by front office people who are just concerned with putting butts in seats. And I thought that was the situation he was in in Cleveland, where he had an owner and a front office that was happy to have him sell their jerseys, sell out their arenas, and, and be on t- national television every day, but not necessarily dedicated to building a winner around him and he said Pat Riley and the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh can get me championships. I think he was very much he Okay. I, th- I, th- I think that LeBron and I know we I know we're up against the break, but I think that LeBron's career in Miami and into his second stint with Cleveland was about his legacy, and I think it's not necessarily about him becoming a new man, but I think this is him him going to Los Angeles is him writing a new chapter, and that's what it is. Not a new man, not a new book, just a new chapter. Okay. All right, well, that was, I guess, something we'll have to see as it plays out. We're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll come back to for our final segment and to wrap it up on our... Debut episode of Agree to Disagree. Mike Jones, John Brown, back after this. Listen live online. FreeAgentRadio.com People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles. And I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. The opinions and views expressed on Agree to Disagree are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Okay, we are back for our final segment of the morning. We all been talking a lot of basketball today. Anybody who knows me knows that's always my first love. I could talk ball all day. We should just talk ball all day. We need we need an all basketball. Show. How do we make? The, who do we talk to about just getting a, a, a all basketball show? Uh, we talk to us. Oh, so we can make that happen. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, now I know. Now you guys know what we're going to talk about. Coming when soon. Show is over. On, coming soon to agree to disagree. The basketball the show. show. All right, <laughs> but. But for now, final segment, we're going to transition a little bit away from the hardwood onto the gridiron. Yes. The NFL. A lot of football going on. A lot, lot of, of football lot of- going on. A lot of high scores and a lot of entertainment, honestly. 
My question for you, simple. Can anybody beat the Saints this year? I think yes. Can anybody beat the Saints? Yes. Will anybody beat the Saints? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, right now they're playing great football. Mm-hmm. You know, just watching that game uh, from two weeks ago when they played the Eagles. It's fun. Sometimes, like, as a fan, as a fan, when you see a team, you kind of you want to believe that they're not as good as people say they are. Mm-hmm. But when you're being objective, and for me, objectivity is a choice. <laughs> like, I can do it. I don't like to do it very often, <laughs> but I can. You know, like if you uh-huh. say, hey, look, I need you to look at these dudes and tell me what you think. Objectively, <sighs> uh, I'm looking at a team that can run the ball. They can run the ball. I'm looking they at They can a, go a, speed to the outside yes. and power up the middle with Kamara yes. and Ingram. Yes. They can run the ball. They can run the ball. You got a quarterback who – has always proven that he can fling the ball all over whenever. the field at high IQ. Yes. A smart quarterback. Probably and what's crazy is um you know we've talked on this show about where we are at our age. Mm-hmm. You know, we're two men in our 40s. Drew Brees is not that much younger than us. Drew Brees could come in here and hang with us cuz we're all probably, you know, close to the same age. Oh yeah, age. he's close to 40. We're yeah, in the same yeah, age. Yeah, group. He, yeah, yeah. That's 40 knocking on the door for Drew Brees, <laughs> all right? That was 40, and he's playing probably, arguably, the best the, football the best, of his career. Exactly, and that's scary because we sit here and we talk day in and day out about Tom Brady and what he's been able to do at his age, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's it's a whole different story. But we've got Drew Brees completing 76%. Well, over 76% with 29 touchdowns and two interceptions. Yeah. That is ridiculous numbers. That's ridiculous. And it's like all we're talking, you know, right now, you know, we're talking about the Saints and we're talking about what they, you know, everything they're doing on offense. They're playing good defense too. Okay. So you say they can be beat. They can be beat, but I don't know who's going to beat them yet. Now, that's the next question. Who can beat them? Not will they, but who can beat them? Okay, the obvious choice is the Rams, the other top seed at this point in the NFC. And if we look at the AFC, considering possible Super Bowl matchups, you think the Chiefs, Steelers, Patriots. Of those four teams that I just named, who do you think would be the biggest threat to keep the Saints from winning it all this year? I would probably say the Rams. You know, one of... a catalyst of you of you deciding to change the name of this show to agree to disagree was one, probably one of our more passionate arguments, which was came after the Eagles beat uh, the Eagles lost to the Vikings, and how much motivation that would provide for the Vikings. For, for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I see a Rams team who a lot of people thought probably going into this season, probably it was going – a lot of people thought it was going to be the Rams and the Eagles. Now, the Eagles have come back to earth 
In fact, they're now below the earth. <laughs> they're not even, you know, in the conversation anymore. And a lot of people who kind of who kind of wrote off the Saints, especially the way their season ended last year. Last year didn't think that the Saints would necessarily come back like this. Mm. So, a lot of people thought the Rams were going to be that team. And not only did the Saints beat them, they beat them pretty pretty handily. Mm-hmm. So, if they're if and I'm not and one thing I've always said, I'm not one to put it a lot into that type of motivation, but if that is really a thing, I think the Rams are motivated. You know, mm-hmm. so if there's a team that's going to step up to the plate, per se, and take down this team, I think it would be the Rams. And logically, I see why you picked the Rams. If I were to make an objective opinion on that, an objective pick, Specifically coming out the NFC, I would definitely say the Rams. I can't put my finger on it, what it is per se, but at this point, there's something about the Rams I just don't trust yet. I'm not going as far as to call them frauds, like to say they're built. Like I call the Falcons frauds because I believe they're built wrong. I don't. Th- I'm not saying I think the fa- the Rams are built wrong. It's just something about that team that doesn't scream Super Bowl championship team to me, not, at least not this season. So for me, I think the biggest threat to the Saints, believe it or not, would have to come out of the AFC. And my AFC pick this year to go to the Super Bowl is – might be a surprise for so. I'm picking the Patriots to go back to the Super Bowl. That's not. That's not a surprise. And, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you this because I think the easy pick right now, which is unfortunately is probably the easy pick almost every year before the end of the season comes, is the Kansas City Chiefs. You know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, so I think even this year, you know, you might you might say, hey, you know, the, the chief. You, you might think the Chiefs. But I think it. In the end, in the in the end, it's like Tom Brady is always a quarterback who's he's there. At the end of the season, he's there. He's in, him and his team, the Patriots, are mm-hmm. there. And to me, that is a team that I will I will not I will stop calling them the favorites to win the AFC when they haven't won the AFC. <laughs> you know, I have to see, you know, when we're saying, hey, Super Bowl 53 featuring this team and this team and this team is not the New Orleans, uh, the, the New, New England Patriots, that's, that's when, when you... I'll believe that the Patriots are not the favorites. So, like, <laughs> for me, it's like, it. I can agree. that, that There are many things to disagree about, but. So, at the end of the day, show, we're going to agree oh, to agree. <laughs> that being said, I'm looking at the clock. Good and Lord. It goes by fast, yes, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it does. Yes, sir. Man, we're going to have to do this again next week. All right. I'm looking forward here. to it. I ain't going nowhere. I'll be here. And coming soon, the basketball show, everybody. <laughs> In the meantime, enjoy your weekends. Everybody be good. God bless. Mike Jones, John Brown, agreeing to disagree one more time. We'll catch you again next week.
Listen live online. FreeAsianRadio.com The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia.